Can Hello, you can you hear me? I can now. Okay, sorry. I, I <laughs> My computer audio probably isn't the best, so I went through the phone. No, that's okay. Um, can you see us okay? I can see you. I can't see Ben. Yeah, okay, but the picture's all right. We're at a parking lot at McDonald's. <laughs> Okay, so we're ta- we're trying to steal their Wi-Fi, or are we on ours? No, we're on ours. No. We're trying to do it off of our truck. So, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna admit Megan into the meeting. Okay. Hey, Megan, how you doing? Hi. I don't know if you know who I am. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is, this I do. Is, this is Jeremy Moore from Dogbone. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Surprise. Yeah, I'm totally shocked, surprised. <laughs> yeah, do you know uh, you won? Yeah, we're not actually talking about turkey. Oh my god, I didn't even see that. I thought someone else won. <laughs> no, you're you're the winner. Uh, congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. So we, yeah, we wanted to. So I really appreciate Amber and her willingness to help us out with this. Um, the last couple people that have done, we've done these Zoom consultation things with. Um, one of them was a surprise and, and it went really good and I kind of liked it. I thought it was fun. Um, and so we decided, well, let's do the surprises for everybody. So, um, we actually reached out, um, we, you were, you were picked as our, our winner. And then, uh, we reached out because you had tagged Amber in. And so I, I just asked her if she could get sneaky with me and figure out a way to surprise you. And we, she did. So I appreciate her help. And I asked, I kind of told her too, I said, you know, I'd, I'd be, I'd love it if you could sit in on this with us. Um, we're actually traveling, so I apologize for the, the fancy studio here in my truck, but um, we're on our way. We've got a handler's workshop this weekend, so we're on our way to that, and we got running a little bit later than what we had hoped this morning. So we're on the road. Uh, we've got a couple dogs in the back here, and we just pulled over to a McDonald's. So we're trying to steal their Wi-Fi, but it didn't work as good as the truck, so... So we'll see how the the uh, how the connection goes. If we have issues, we'll figure something out. But okay. So I know you weren't probably planning on this, uh, Amber. What did you tell her you guys going to talk about? Turkey hunting? Yeah, I uh, told her we go through like our different products for turkey hunting and see kind of what we have. I even have <laughs> it here. Ah, perfect. <laughs> My on the, all sitting on the couch. There you go. <laughs> so where are you guys located? You guys are in what state? Missouri. Okay. Okay. And Missouri just opened up, didn't they? Turkey hunting? Yeah. Monday. Okay. Monday. Yeah, it was Monday. Sure. Okay. So, so we'll have to, so Megan, this is a, a a good test and a good um, comparison to dog training because I think a lot of times we have to be, we can plan stuff out all we want and you guys were prepared to talk about turkeys and then all of a sudden we're going to shift it and we're going to start talking about dogs. And so I think sometimes dog training is a lot like that in that I can go in with a plan um, all I want and the reality is is I have to make adjustments based on um a lot of variables like how the dog's responding um just things don't always go the way i hope hope them to and if you watch any of our um training stuff i think you'll 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 recognize that like it just doesn't always go the way we want so or the way we plan i should say so it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not going the way we want it's just it doesn't always piece together exactly how we envisioned it and so with this i one of the reasons i actually do like having the, it kind of be a surprise is because I feel like if we do these consultations ahead, if, if people know that we're going to do them ahead of time, we've done a few that are that way. And usually what happens is, is there's a, a, a lengthy list that the person has and they'd like to go through this, 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 this. And the reality, the reality is, is by the time we're done, we maybe get to number three out of 20 because there's, there's just, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of routes you can take with it. And I, you know, we, we don't, these aren't designed to like fix all the problems, but I, I definitely think these are nice because when people have questions for me, it's really nice to be able to go back and forth with additional information. Cause I think that's a lot of the times 
that's what's necessary. I get, I get, I just, I embarrassed to say it. I just checked my Instagram and I found a, a message that a person had sent me and they had sent it to me in January and I missed it. Like I didn't, I didn't have, I didn't, I didn't, I missed it. So I didn't respond. And I, so I just messaged him back. I'm like, I feel terrible about this. Uh, I try not to miss stuff like that, but it's a pretty long, um, message that they sent me and it's a gal in England actually. And so it's a pretty long message. And I told, I messaged her back. I said, I, I will get to this. We'll, we'll put this on our list and we'll get it. We'll get some answers to you, but it's way too much for me to answer back, thumbing it out on my phone. I'm going to, we're going to record it as a podcast. And so I think there's more value in that because I can get a little deeper into it. But the real thing about this is now we can go back and forth a little bit. So I, I put you on the spot a little bit. Amber's there to back you up again. If, if, if And so you guys both, tell me a little bit about, Megan, I'll start with you. Tell me a little bit about you, your dog. Now you're, first off, I want to thank, I want to thank you because I, I feel like you're real, you are a supporter of what we're doing. Like we, we pick our winners through like ran, this random thing that picks the number of people that have commented or whatever. It throws a number that you pick, you've figured out, but you over the, I don't know how long it's been, but you have been, we've, you've messaged a couple of times, comments on a few things. So I really appreciate that support. It means a lot to us. So, but tell me, I don't know much about your dog and I don't know much about your training situation. So fill me in a little bit. Um, she is, oh, let me see. She's a year, uh, almost a year and a half. Okay. Um, and uh, we don't get a lot of chances to get her out in the woods where we um, hunt mm-hmm. um, because it's such a it's two and a half hours up there. So my husband's a farmer, so sure. he is busy a lot uh, throughout the year. So it's just whenever we can kind of steal away, then we go up. You know, is when we have a chance to go up and get in the woods and and work with her. But on the daily. You know, I'm trying stuff around the house. Uh, my parents have some acreage, but it's not woods. It's just all open. Sure. So I kind of run her out there. And, uh, you know, we have the uh, shed antler um, scent and stuff that we've been practicing with. But, she, you know, she's figured she's figured me out. She knows the drill. And she knows sure. basically everywhere there is on the property to hide something. Yeah. <laughs> so she's got me figured out to a T. <laughs> sure, sure. What kind of dog is it? Um, but, uh, I mean, other than, she's a yellow lab. Okay. Year and a half old, lab. Um, you, what do you, what do you, from a hunting perspective, like, is it shed hunting? Is that what you would be doing primarily, or do you do other stuff with them? Uh, no, shed hunting really, for the most, you know, that's the main thing that we do together. Sure. Um, I haven't really thought otherwise my husband doesn't have much time to duck hunt or anything like that so we we didn't want to put the effort in for that yeah um shed hunting is probably the one thing that we'll have the most time to do with her yeah Um, and maybe we've kind of talked about tracking um like deer tracking but i we haven't worked on that at all we've just kind of focused on uh shed (laughs) sure are you guys big deer hunters yes Okay. Yeah. And I, I, so my dogs, you know, we both my personal dogs and then the dogs we train for clients, I, we we're doing a little bit of everything with them. Um, some are doing additional stuff. Some are doing, you know, the deer, deer dog stuff is what we kind of call it. Shit, tracking and shed hunting. I think it's logical because if you are a deer hunter, most deer hunters are doing both. And so it makes, makes perfect sense. It's certainly something that is real doable. It's not, um, you know, seasonally, season-wise, they're they're offsetting. So I think it's really nice to give a job that job to a dog different times of the year as well. So I won't. I don't think. Um, you know, I think some people are intimidated by the idea of tracking dogs, uh, training tracking dogs. I've talked about this a little bit, and um, I I'm very careful when I say it because I don't want to offend anybody. Um, like tracking guys or the hardcore tracking guys are really into tracking and and i i get it they're passionate about it the same as a duck hunter is about duck hunting a deer hunter is about deer hunting um so i don't discount the idea of it it is a it is a it is a total art in itself but i also think and i say it and i'll i I believe it 
it's probably one of the easier things that we do with the dogs because it is so natural. Now, when I say easy, that that means like skill-wise. There's not a there's not as much skill like individual skill sets that we have to build into them. We're tapping into what they do naturally, which is game finding. It's very similar to like a duck dog. I don't train duck dogs to find ducks. I train dogs to hunt for certain things. I train dogs to retrieve. I train dog, dogs to be duck dogs to be steady. Like we don't need all. We don't do all that stuff with the tracking dog. It's like, it's like one part of training a duck dog is tracking, and a tracking dog, that's what they do. They track. So it's natural game finding, um, and I just think that a lot of times, it is a, it is something that is intimidating to people, but it's not bad. And so if you do ever have interest in it, or you guys are thinking about it, I would recommend looking at it because it's, because it's fun. It's a lot of fun and it's really valuable. You know, like, uh, find one deer for you that you otherwise would have lost. It's really worthwhile. You know what I mean? Can you hear me? Did I lose it? Okay. So, so yeah, so so questions wise, I'm I'm I was worried I lost my Wi-Fi. Or Ben's touching. We do should we do something why, different? No, I don't know why it's doing that. Like scratching. There's a little bit of a crackling breaking up. Is it? Are you guys hearing it? They're not. All right. Okay. So, questions that you might have. What what do you think? What what is what comes up that I potentially could help you with? Yeah. <laughs> Where the do spot. I begin? <laughs> uh, uh, Amber, do you want to? Do you want to go? <clears throat> um, I mean, I can start. I guess so. You can think of something. <laughs> uh, we so scout. We take him out shed hunting. He's also he's about two years old. Okay. Um, he went to training for waterfowl for about six months and then shed stuff we've just done around the house. Mm-hmm. But um, one of our things is how do you keep them focused when you're actually shed hunting? Like he is super focused the first maybe 10 or 15 minutes, and then he just runs and just wears himself out and doesn't seem to care about what we're doing out there. Yeah, so, what, so my question to that would be, what is he doing in the first 10 minutes that you like? That he's not, not that he's stops doing after the first ten minutes. He's more sweeping back and forth. Um, he's not just running like full speed, like a wild man away. So like the first ten minutes, he's usually pretty calm. Kind of goes back and forth between me and the husband. Um, has his nose to the ground a little more, and then he just all of a sudden just wants to run and doesn't care about what we're doing. So when he starts running at that point that you you see that loss of focus, is it a range thing? Is he get too far out? Does he is he what is he showing you that? Because like, are, let me ask you this: Are you how many how many shed antlers do you guys find a year? Um, this year we found twelve on one farm and three on the other. Okay, um, which is actually the best year we've had. Sure. And he, he found one. Okay. I guess, kind of. So, okay. Uh, no, uh, I... We did have him pick all of them. Yeah. No, I know exactly what you're saying, and I know where you're going with it. Twelve, 12 on one farm, two on the other, and he he found one you would give him credit for? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, out of 14, one out of 14. And so, which I think good, I guess, but I don't, you know. Yeah, well, that's that's what I was gonna get. That's exactly where I'm going. Like, I think it. My question would be to you and to anybody who's listening to this: What are your what are your expectations? Like, what what do what when you think of a shed dog, what are your expectations? Um. I mean, this is all, shed hunting is new with the dog, so I didn't really know what to expect. I mean, he finds them really good in the yard. Sure. But then again, he kind of knows where to look, I feel like. Yep. 
So, yeah, when we take him out in the woods, you know, and we watch him run right past one, like, kind of disheartening, but at the same time, I'm like, well, I don't, you know, maybe he just doesn't smell it or see it or not paying attention. So, right. it would be nice for him to find a couple, but... Right, I mean, and so... We don't find her very well. Yeah, yeah, and so what I and so my whole the whole reason I'm asking these questions is because I think that it's probably um, a misconception that a lot of people think when they think of shed dogs. I think people think that shed dogs fill the back of the truck up with sheds. All you have to do is take them in the woods, and they'll fill your truck for you. You can sit and drink coffee. I think people think that, and it's I think it's far from the truth. I think you know I I mean. You just said you found 14 sheds on two farms this year, and it's your best year ever, right? That's pretty good. I mean, that's 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 yeah. a lot. That's a lot more sheds than a lot of people that are listening to this will, are going to find in their life. So I think that puts things into perspective a little bit. Like I shed hunted for, I bet you I shed hunted for five my first five seasons, the first five years I looked for antlers, I never found one. And I looked a lot. I mean, I looked, I looked a lot. I put, a, I will say I put a fair amount of time in. Not, I've put, I've had years where I've put a lot more time in the woods. Um, I, but, but those for those five years, I looked quite a bit. I never found one. And so, you know, if, if you went for five years with, a, like, normally people would be fr- pretty frustrated. But I guess I looked at it and I went, my, my expectations at that point were, I just want to find one. Like that was it. Nowadays, like when I go, I'm kind of disappointed if we don't find one every time we're out. But I've gotten a lot better over the years. Like I, I find I've had years where I found a hundred sheds in a season. I did it twice. But I've had, but I've had like this year. I think what, what did we find this year? Between our group, we probably found close to five, maybe. Th- more than that. we found that on the farm so probably oh, yeah. probably 35 40 sheds yeah. between between me and the guys that i went guys and girls that i went with so and, and we didn't go that often i mean we went on two i went on two trips this year um schedule wise i didn't go as nearly nearly as often as i wanted to i probably went I, I shouldn't say that i probably walked a few other times but didn't find any um i went by my house a couple times didn't find any but we went on a couple trips and found 40 to 50 sheds this year which Back up 15 years ago, 40 to 50 sheds in a season. Are you kidding me? I was looking for one in five seasons. So what happened? Well, over the years, I got a lot better at shed hunting myself. It's like, I I think I can find antlers. Like, I can find antlers without a dog. There's no question I can. And I couldn't find them before I had the dog. So the dog helps me, for sure. But the dog isn't the one that finds all of them all the time for me, I've just gotten a lot better at it. I go to the right spots. Like I go to, I go in areas that I felt like were really good back then. And I don't find anything. And then all of a sudden I start finding a few and I realize, Oh, that's the reason I wasn't finding them because they weren't here when they were shedding because the food wasn't here. The bedding wasn't here, whatever it was. I went to some really good ground this year that, that had like a lot of deer but we didn't find that many antlers. And I think it was after looking at it and thinking about it, it was because I don't know that we had the food source at the right time of year when the deer were shedding. Like we weren't, we weren't hunting in that area. So the best shed dog in the world isn't going to find those antlers that aren't there. Now you found 14 this year. So that's pretty good. And one of them you're saying, giving credit to the dog. So I'm going, well, that dog out hunted me this year for for five straight years and i'm good i'm telling you right now i'm a human i'm smart i can figure all this stuff out and i didn't find any for five seasons he found one and he's how old two he's two he's two so last year he was one and did he shed hunt last year we didn't have him he was at the trainer um okay at the trainer during so he's had one se- so, so he's had one season and he found one one season yeah out it, in the woods yeah yeah and you said that the other 13 that you found you let him pick up uh yeah 
was a deadhead that we counted that he, he wouldn't really go near, but um, all the other ones that we found, we would basically point him towards it. Help him out. You, you, yeah, you helped him out. You set him up. You made it really easy. Like if it was a kid, you you lowered the hoop really low and you made it really big and you gave him a really lightweight ball to set in the hoop, right? Like, I mean, it was just, you teed it up for him. You made it super easy. And if you did that with a kid that you were taking to play, learn to play sports of some sort, and you made it really easy like that, as a, do you have kids? I do not. Okay. Megan does. Okay. So, Megan, how old are your kids? Uh, eight and four. Okay. Perfect ages. Boys or girls? Boy or girl? Girl. Both okay. of them girls. Okay. Do they play sports? Uh, no. No, they don't. Okay. Have they... What do? What are they into? Uh, well, uh, my oldest uh, does... She just started Taekwondo a couple okay. months ago. Okay. Um, I guess you could call that a sport. Absolutely. But, um they both just love getting into everything outside. <laughs> okay. Okay. So Taekwondo, I don't know much about Taekwondo, but I bet you I can make an analogy to it. So Taekwondo is like karate, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So do they break boards yeah. yet? Do they break any boards or anything? They do? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So you're, is it the eight-year-old into Taekwondo? Yeah. Okay. So your eight-year-old daughter... When she broke her first board, I bet you it wasn't like the same boards that they're breaking. It wasn't it wasn't ten boards stacked on top of each other, was it? No. It was probably one that, you know, I, a huge accomplishment, a great step in the right direction, a great confidence builder. I bet you she was beaming when she got done breaking that board. Like she really felt very strong and confident and bold. And all of that. And I bet you that that instructor made sure that he like prepped the prepped her as best he could. He pumped her up. He, he did whatever he did. And then the board that he picked, he was sure was one of those boards that's going to break. Like it's not too thick. It's not a bunch of them stacked on top of each other. It was probably, you know, I don't want to take anything away from her breaking of the board. But that probably physically wasn't like, probably didn't require like superhuman strength. But you were probably just as excited about her breaking that board, and I bet you she was just as excited about breaking that board as she will be in three or four years when they add a bunch of difficulty to it, when they stack 10 of them on top of each other, whatever it is. But they're not going to start out with her at eight years old breaking her first board with the things that the 14-year-old kids are doing that have been in it for years and years and years and understand all the stuff. Like It's progressional to get there. So... We go back to that two-year-old dog and we go, you helped the dog find 12, 12 antlers. And he found, and he or she found one. He. Him. So he. It's a, it's a male. So he found one. And I'm looking at that and going, that has to be as exciting and positive as the board getting broke for the eight-year-old. And you got to look at it and go, you know what? Let's stick with this because next year, let's find 20 and you find two. That's real. I think that's being realistic. I think it's hard. It's not being realistic to say you found one this year. Next year, you should find 20 out of 20. Because the, the reality is, is if you take like, if you just look at the whole picture and you say, hey, I'm six foot two and that dog stands about 24 inches off the ground. I have a huge advantage. I can see. If the wind's blowing that way, I don't care how good your nose is. You can't smell it. It's blowing away from them. Like, there's so many things. There's so many elements when the dog is out there hunting that we don't understand. Because we're, we just don't process things the way the dogs do. So, you know, he ran right by it, but he didn't smell it. I don't know what the wind was doing, and neither do you. We don't, you know, we don't know. There's so many things that are there. But... The, the, the ability for you to be able to say, to understand that and have some compassion for the idea that maybe the wind was wrong. 
maybe there was something else that had him distracted because he's two years old and a two-year-old is like kind of like an eight-year-old you know like i i don't think megan i don't think it's fair for megan to get pissed off at the eight-year-old because she didn't pass the black belt test or whatever it is in taekwondo that's really high in advance and it requires a lot of focus and a lot of commitment and a lot of understanding of all these techniques and the philosophies behind karate or or taekwondo like you can't put that on an eight-year-old and i don't think you can put like my dog so i'll make you feel better like my dogs are like four i got one that's four i got one that's five i got one that's seven i shed hunted with them um this spring and ellie who i'm really proud of is uh a kind of a i I call her kind of a personal dog because out of our family she's the one that is kind of mine and and she ran by antlers uh, pretty pretty consistently for the first half a day that we were shed hunting like she ran by a few we saw him i saw him she went right past him has she picked is she picking up antlers has she picked up lots of them before yeah for sure but she hasn't picked up an ant. She hadn't picked up an antler. I didn't shed hunt. If you remember last spring, uh, feels like a forever ago now. But last spring, we didn't leave our houses without fear of like, like I wasn't traveling last year at the, at sp- in the spring. I mean, I was going to my cabin in the woods and avoiding people because I thought we were all going to die of the plague. Well, little did I know, you know, that was actually a really good thing for me because I made a lot of maple syrup. So it really worked out positive. I'm going to look at it as a positive thing. But I didn't go. I was afraid to go to Iowa. We were afraid to go to the farm in the, on the other side of the state because we weren't, you know, we weren't supposed to talk to people. We weren't supposed to contact people. So, like, that took away a season from us. And so she hadn't picked up a shed prior to this spring for almost two springs like it would have been 2019 that she had picked up in the spring of 2019 so in that time she she we bird hunted quite a bit with her you know in the fall i i did a lot of hunting with her um we hadn't done antler stuff for a long time and i in that first half day of shed hunting i bet you she ran past four or five at least and i would just wait and I'd encourage her, find it, find it, I'd give her a cue. I, and, and as soon as she heard that cue, she went, I missed something. She started hunting again. And all of a sudden, boom, she'd find it. And then she'd pick it up and bring it back to me. And she was very happy about it. I was very happy about it. And then about halfway through that day, she picked one up before I saw it. And I went, it's starting to click again. It's like riding the bike. But it, she's five years old. She's picked up a lot of antlers in her life. And it took her a while to get the rust knocked off this year. You got to remember, yours is two. Doesn't have nearly the opportunities to pick up. Like sometimes with dogs, we do things so many times in a row. And they just don't get it. They just don't get it. They just don't get it. And I start to question, what am I doing wrong here? And I'll maybe make some changes or adjustments to whatever it is I'm trying to teach them to figure out what is it that's going to make it stick. And sometimes it's my approach. Sometimes I have to change what I'm doing. Other times it's simply I have to stop worrying about it and letting it bother me and just continue on and trust that it's going to happen when it happens. And then all of a sudden it clicks. And then I have this feeling of excitement. I'm happy about it. But I'm also like, why was I so worried about this? Like, why did this stress me out so much? Well, it's because it wasn't happening at my pace. It just wasn't. And so that becomes real, that can be become very frustrating. I totally get it. But I, what, I'm, what I want to do is put it into perspective of, that's not that many opportunities. You had your best year ever, and it was 14. That's not a ton. Now, you just said, what, what I like is what you said, and what Megan said is, she crushes it in training. Like, she is great in training. And so many people think, I hear that from so many people. I, I, she does so good where we put them. She does so good when we train it for it. What's the problem? Is the problem because of the scent? You know, oh, it's not. It's because my scent's on it. No, it's not that. It's because the first time, so back up. 
and this this sometimes takes us thinking about it but if you back up so you you had her when did you start doing shed training stuff with her amber Uh, when did we start? Like six months old ish. Yeah, probably like a year ago, I guess. Okay. I mean, we had them on and off uh, from the trainer for three month cycles. So, yeah, I mean, it's probably been about a year. Okay. But so, so back uh, up. So put your mind back at that point when it first started. The shed, when you first started shed, shed training stuff. And I would say you might have done, I, I don't know how many, I don't know how your training setup looked, but I might have give I might give my dogs five, six opportunities in a session, like in a 30 minute session, they might get five or six chances to, to do something right. That means 14 divided by five, you know, so you got three, less than three sessions. So by your third session of training, by the third time you worked with your dog on shed training, did she have it all figured out? Like, did she get it all? Like in those first three sessions? No. No. So, so the first, that, that's the equivalence of what you did by finding 14 sheds this, this, this spring. Like 14 sheds is a hell of a lot. But that's that's not that many opportunities for the light bulbs to turn on for the dog. Right. Yeah. So now you start thinking about it and you go, wow, that's pretty good actually. Because if she if if you had started seeing some success in the first three lessons of training her to introduce her to the idea of shed hunting in general, you probably would have came off that third session going this is fantastic. This is great. I'm all excited about it. I'm very happy about it. We're making really nice progress, but because it, and it's just, it's the, it's very similar situation. It's just your perspective on it is different. And so now I think I would say if your perspective was like that, then make it like that now. And then you'd be like, you're at your feelings about the success you found this season would be, this is great to build off of for next year and then the year after and then the year after. And all of a sudden our mindset on it, our attitude towards it, our approach towards it is going to be different because it's going to be positive as opposed to frustrating. I mean, I think you might have used the word frustrating um, when you said that, you know, she'd run right by him. Well, it gets frustrating because she doesn't do that in practice. But she didn't do that in the beginning in practice. And if you get frustrated that early and in and get it to the point where it affects you, I guarantee you it affects the dog. Dogs read you better than you can read them. So when we get upset, when I, and it's not, it's, I'm not saying like you're angry or anything, but I get, I'm, I've become real, real in tune with my, my attitude when I'm training, because as soon as I start to get a little bit flustered, I'll give you an example yesterday. Yesterday, I, and, and this is a good example because I, I'm I'm the first person to t- tell you I make a lot of mistakes. I, I screw up quite often. I'm real good at it. So yesterday, I was supposed to pick up our daughter from school. Okay? Th- 2.50, I was supposed to be there. I was packing for this workshop. So I'm on the computer. It, it was 2.20. I made a mental note in my head, and I said, I have 30 minutes to be at school to pick up Sierra. So then I onto the next thing and all of a sudden I'm down at the shop and I'm packing stuff for the workshop and I looked at my phone coincident like it didn't ding or anything I just happened to look at it and it was 310 and it was a text from my wife and it said thanks for picking up Sierra and I went oh my god I forgot to pick Sierra so I ran up to the house the dogs were all laying on their beds nicely quietly doing everything I wanted them to do I came in the house and I called them to me to kennel up. I kennel up the one dog, Callie. And so I put, was going to put her in her crate. And she was real slow to come to me. And so I come rushing into the room frantically. Come on, come on, come on, kennel up. And, and she was hesitant to come to me. And so I got pissed. So I reach out and I grabbed a hold of the back of her neck. And, I, and she went, I mean, she was scared. And so I heard the her do that and I went 
why in the world am I upset right now that she's not coming to me? Because I came in the door pissed off, hollering to her to hurry up. She's coming. She's waking up out of a sleep. And she has no idea what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. And I'm angry because she's not coming to me quickly. Why would she want to come to me quickly? I, I was mad. She knew it before I even talked to her. My body language, everything about me, and the whole reason was had nothing to do with the dogs. I was mad at myself because I had forgot to pick our daughter up from school. So nothing to do with our dog training there. And all of a sudden, my dog responds real quickly to not want to come to me. Now, if I had walked in and I was in a really good mood, things I my wife had just called me and said, oh, thank you for doing this, this, and this. I owe you a favor, blah, blah, blah. Like it was totally a different message that I had gotten from my wife. Now, I deserved the message I got. Or, or the, I, I screwed up. Like I, I made a huge mistake there. Thankfully, our daughter was cool with it. But so I go into the house and I'm in a really good mood. And I say, Callie, come here. Come on, come on, come on. You know what she's going to do? She's going to cut off her place and come running to me. Because she senses what I'm feeling. And there's no reason for me then to grab her by the neck and try to push her into her kennel to speed her up. And so she never never whines or never cries about it. She, we never have that negative exchange. So like I literally stopped myself right then and I thought really quickly, I was like, I can really damage my relationship with the dog right now or I can just tell myself to relax because this isn't going to get me there any faster to the school. Pet her. So I petted her a little bit. I kind of said sorry to her. I petted her a little bit. I kenneled her up. And then I went to the school, got the kids. And everything went went fine. But the idea that you're out in the woods, you just saw the dog run past the antler. Now it ran past it again. Now it ran past it again. Now you're upset. I've been there. I've told my dog, find it. And right about there is when they go, I quit. Because the last thing they want to do is disappoint you. And so if I screw that moment up because I get frustrated and I make it so that the dog shuts down, what did we just do? You had you had 14 opportunities this year. If I take one of those 14 away, that's a pretty high percentage. Like it's probably 7% or something like that. Like 7% of the chances all year you screwed up because my temper, my frustration. I wasn't able to kind of stay cool. So perspective is so important to to like recognize and go if you if you if if we had you know it would have been it would, this whole talk this whole conversation would have been totally different if it's if, it, if the message to me was we found 14 this year and I was really impressed she found one by herself it was awesome because then I would have went oh well then we go start talking about something different but now I think I hope I think you can probably look at this and go she found one by herself or kind of by herself. And the other ones, we teed them up for her, but she broke the board. <laughs> the board still broke. You know what I mean? So I think like that, that like these, these, when we have a chance to talk to people like this, like these are the, like, we don't have to cover, we don't have to cover a hundred things. Like there's probably a hundred things that you could ask me questions about with that one dog your two-year-old dog and Megan's year-and-a-half-old dog. Like, there's lots of stuff. But I'm so long-winded, I don't have time. To, like, I would never be able to do it. Like, I, I just get so deep into stuff. But I look at it and I go, I think that that little micro example probably can apply to multiple things. And, and it really, and then I simplify it even deeper and I go, Patience. Like just the word patience probably is the easy answer to a lot of our problems. You know, at a year, Megan, yours is a year and a half, right? Yeah. So what, 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 give me, give me something that you're thinking right now with your year and a half old struggles wise. Uh, she, she's like super high energy like not all the time but it takes so much to like wear her down to 
she's just like excited about doing anything we get out in the woods and kind of like amber's dog like running and running and you know she just like loves to be outside she loves to be in the woods or in open places um and it doesn't matter like how we can like drive her you know drive with the buggy and she can follow along and we'll like go around the whole place and get her to run like a mile or two miles and she's still super excited to be just I guess free because we live in a neighborhood and she doesn't have the (laughs) the chance to be free all the time sure is she in good shape yes yes so I expected that like I I I figured that was going to be the answer so here's the thing that I talk about and and this might help Amber too like with with the idea of because we started out talking about focus you know, the ability to focus beyond that 10 minutes. So I think a lot of that sometimes relates to how we train too. I think a lot of times when we train with our dogs, we have routines. Uh, and, and we've talked, I've talked about this in some podcasts, I think, but we've talked about, I, we come out, we have a set plan of what we're going to do with the dog and we do it. And if you look at it, it's probably a less than 30 minute type thing. Cause it's hard to dedicate more than 30 minutes to training uh, in a session just because life gets in the way and we're busy. And, and so for the, for that 30 minute window or 10 minute window or 15 minute window or whatever your routine kind of can be, you may get like, I can't stand this. I watched this the other day. I, I watched a dog that literally when it walked out with the, with the trainer, it was a hundred percent locked on locked on the, the the trainer because the trainer had a dummy in his hand and they're going to make retrieves. And they threw retrieves over and over and over and over and over. And in a matter of probably like eight minutes, I bet you the dog made 15 retrieves. And the dog was 100% dialed in, like 100% focused. And all it wanted was another retrieve. All it wanted was another retrieve. All it wanted was... And finally the guy stopped. The, the guy stopped the drill to talk to the camera and the dog completely spaced out when that happened. And one of the things he says, well, I got to keep going or I'm going to lose this dog's focus. So he gets back into it and he starts saying, the key to this drill is keeping my cadence going. I got to get the dog out, get the dog back, get another dummy out, get another dummy out, get another dummy out, get the dog back. And it was like, it was, this dog was a machine. That part was impressive to me. What wasn't impressive to me was the idea that the second he stopped the cadence of this intense training drill, the dog was scatterbrained. And he literally said, I have to get back into this drill in order to keep the focus of the dog. And I'm looking at that and I go, now I, I'm, not, I'm not saying he's doing something wrong. I'm saying he's creating, a, he's creating some results. The results are really good when he's got the focus and when he's active with the dog when he stops wheels come off and so i've started thinking about some of my training and i i realized and it's just a different approach i'm not saying it's right wrong or indifferent but it's it is a it's a different approach and so i look at it and i go i like my dogs to be able to to move and act when i ask them to and then to not move and act when I ask them to and not have an issue with it. And so I think in a session for me in that, if we're, if we're doing a, if he's doing 15 minutes of the fact guy that I watched is doing 15 minutes of drills with his dog. And I do 15 minutes with my dog. I would say the 15, 20 retrieves that that dog got in that first eight minutes, my dog probably gets one makes it makes it nice like make has to make a good retrieve the retrieve's got to be good and everything but she's going to get one or he's going to get one and then for seven or eight minutes there's going to be nothing and then on nine minutes and ten minutes we might ask them to do something again and i need them to be able to do it and then i need them to be able to not do something for the next six seven minutes and so on where if we go out and train with the dogs and it's boom, 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 action, 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 put them up. When they come out, they have it in their head. Boom, boom, boom. It's action, 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 action. And if there's no action, they resort back to the idea of scatterbrain. 
lost focus. Do my own thing. We're not doing what we do in the drills. So now all of a sudden they're checking out. And so what I want to do is I would look at starting to do some of those drills very similar to how you're doing them, except, in, and I don't know what your setups look like, but if you are if you have a setup where you have, you you've, they find an antler over here, they find an antler over here, they find the antler over here, I'd work them through there one day and there are no antlers and let them hunt and let them go, wait a minute, there's nothing here. And you just keep working, keep working. Encourage them to work, although there's nothing there. Encourage them to work, although there's nothing there. And then they work through there and they go, there's nothing here, there's nothing here, there's nothing here. And all of a sudden they're getting to that point where they're going, screw it, I'm checking out. This game is done and there's nothing here for me. And now I'm going to drop what I call an unseen. I'm going to put one out without them seeing it and swing them back through it. A place they've already hunted. There wasn't anything there. They know there isn't. They already looked. Now they don't, they're somewhere, they're, you got their attention somewhere else. You get one into there. It can be, a, I use tennis balls all the time, scented tennis balls, because they're really easy to slip in and the dogs don't see them. So I slip that tennis ball into the cover that they just worked and there wasn't anything in there. And I bring them back in for another pass and all of a sudden they found one. And they go, my God, I need to stay focused. He told me it's here. It is. He really knows what he's talking about. Instead of the idea of, I go here, I find it. I go here, I go, I find it. I here, I find it. And now we're done. Because when we shed hunt, rarely do we go for a 30-minute walk. Like, I, I go for really a lot longer walks. The other thing you can do, too, is this was a this was a, a message I just talked about from England. They're, they're, we're going to do a whole podcast on it. But their issue was, part of it, and i got to reread it, but part of it was can't get the dog to focus beyond the first hunt. Like, Hunt, hunts really well on the first hunt, but after that I lose all control. So my answer to that is going to be, it's going to be a little deeper than this, but the Cliff Notes version is going to be hunt the first hunt. Now they hunt a completely different style over there, so they're doing these driven hunts and whatever, but go through that first hunt that's good, and then instead of going to the second and the third drive that the wheels fall off on every single time, hunt the first one, the second one put the dog on heel. And just heal the dog through it. Put the dog back under control. Don't let the dog quarter and cast through that cover. Heal it through the cover. Don't don't give it the chance to fade away. Hunt that second drive and see how it... And then try it on the third. And my question will be, does it reset the dog? Does the dog have a point where it hunts for so long and then it says, I'm done. I'm going to do my own thing. If that's the case, it's a lot like telling a dog to sit on remote. I can't tell young dogs to sit on a remote forever because their attention span and focus is only so long and I have to understand it realistically. It's going to fade and they're, going to, they're not going to be able to do it. So I have to gauge what is the time limit before that dog breaks down. So I'll put a young dog on sit and walk away from them. And if after 30 seconds they start to sniff and decide they want to walk off, I make the mental note and I go at about 25 seconds, I got to be changing the scenario. So I put the dog back on remote sit at about 25 seconds in my head. I start to walk back to the dog. So I make a movement. So the dog focuses, refocuses on me. I walk to the dog. I say heel. I take one step and then I say sit. And then I do it again. Another 25 seconds because at 30 seconds, he's going to lose it. So 25 seconds, I walk back. I say heel. I take one step. That's the reset. So every time that dog sits, the timer starts over in their head and in my head. And so now what I'm doing is I get I do that I do that for three, four, five, six times in a row, and I go at 25 seconds that dog is strong. So let's try 30 again. And so now I get to see, and I I'll pause that extra. So all we're doing is adding five seconds onto something that they're already comfortable with, which five out of 30 is one sixth the time. It's a relatively small percentage. I didn't go from five seconds to 30 seconds. I went from 25 seconds to 30. And as long as they can get to 30, I'm really quick to gauge that, get to them, change them up, reset them, take a step, and have them sit. And now try it at 30 seconds. And see if we can't just take these little bitty steps. So I don't think you go from a 10 minutes of hunting to 4 hours of hunting. I think you go from 10 minutes of hunting, and then you call the dog back to you and you say, I know right now you're going to break down and start doing your own thing. So come here, sit. And let's just stop for a second. And kind of pause and regroup ourselves 
And we didn't find anything that time, but that's okay. Let's reset. Okay, now let's go and hunt again. And so about the time you think you're going to lose the focus, reset the clock. Now that's going to slow your hunting down a little bit because you might have to call them over to you and sit down and give them a little drink of water and pet them up a little bit. That's okay. What are we doing? We're training. We, we, we have to be able to separate. I just, I was on a phone call with a guy earlier. We're going to do a podcast with him. He's my gunsmith. Actually, he's a friend of mine. That's a gunsmith and he's working on some guns for me and he's got some, he's got some, some, he's got a pointing dog and he's got a little, a uh, little English cocker. And we were talking about his new little pointing dog that he's got. And one of the things he talked about with me was, I just think that the, the, the focus on this dog is so short. And so I, we were talking about how it's a young dog you know, I think it's a year old right now. And we were talking about how breaking that dog up into really short little sections is how he, he finds success with it. And so I think that's another example of just compartmentalizing these, these trainings to make them within reason as far as the dog's ability to focus and then reset it and do another one. And then, and then eventually you're going to be able to like cheat that 10 minutes to 12 minutes, 12 to 15, 15 to 20. And then you slowly, and, and the other thing that's going to happen is, and your dogs are probably still affected by it, but they're probably getting close to not, is just straight up maturity. Like there's a big difference between a one-year-old dog and a two-year-old dog. There's a big difference between a one-year-old dog and a six-month-old dog. Like, the six-month-old dog and a year-old is probably a bigger difference than a one-year-old and a two-year-old. And think about it. A one-year-old and a two-year-old dog is one full year apart. Six months and one year is only six months. It's half the amount of time. But the amount of maturity that takes place between six months and 12 months and 12 months and 24 months, it's probably a bigger change from six months in half the time. It's probably a more distinct change as far as behavior goes. But you guys are still two, two and under. They're puppies. So I think you keep that in mind too and you go, holy cow, maybe I'm being a little bit unrealistic with my expectations. And that's okay. Like I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with being like optimistic and proud and happy. I think that's all stuff that is comes back to the confidence with the eight-year-old and the board. You should treat, I hope she got Dairy Queen that night. <laughs> like, that's what I would have had to do. I'd have had to be like, God, awesome, great work. I would have made her, the next morning I'd have woke up and probably been like, I cannot believe you broke that board. And she's probably, you know, am I that impressed by the idea of her breaking the board? Maybe, maybe not. But I'm sure as hell going to make her th understand how important it was that she accomplished it. Because she is now going to like, that's an extra thing the next day where she goes, boy, that really was a big deal. And I did it. And if you don't think that that makes that little girl feel a lot more confident about what she's doing, for sure. So like I, I make big deals out of things that probably aren't that big. But they are. And when you do do that, I think you see the benefit 10 times, tenfold as they start to develop their confidence. Because when they start developing confidence, they're able to learn. And a dog that's not confident won't learn. He's too worried about making a mistake. Like there's a there's that mental part of the dog that they, they really want to make us happy. And if they're not making us happy, they know something's wrong. And they have a hard time dealing with that. And sometimes we don't recognize that. Sometimes we just think they're being little brats. They're not. They don't get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's probably deeper than what we, you know. I mean, it, it. I don't mean to make it sound like it's super deep, but it, it kind of is. Everything we do with a dog is, I think. You know, I don't look at them like, I just don't look at them like four wheelers. I think some people look at dogs like they're a truck, you know, they're a tool. I don't look at it that way. I look at them more like they're my kid. And I think some people look at their kids like they're trucks and that's okay. I, 
I'm not telling people how to raise their kids. I don't want to tell people how to raise their dogs. But I definitely think that some people struggle to get results. And I think results come from tactics. And I, I've, I'm really been blessed with results when it comes to some of my dogs. I have some very nice dogs. And the dogs turn out really well. And it's a combination of things. It's not just me. It's not just the dog. It's, fifth, it's a it's an equal contribution. It's what the dog has to offer and what I have to offer. And are we able to line it up to make it make it work? And are we able to line it up to like maximize it? And I, I really think that's like our that's got to be our goal when it comes to to our dogs. Get the most out of them. Well, I, I hope they get the most out of me. <laughs> Makes sense. Cool. Yep. Anything else yep. quick you got? I mean, I don't mean to rush you, but we're on our way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's a, a, I mean, that's a big part of what I think you hit on the struggle that we're having is we're expecting so much out of her. We don't really know what our, where our expectations should be because sure. we never um tried to train a dog like this before yeah um so we're just like gosh oh, she's just like so hyper and like why you know she's so like her nose is so good why isn't she doing it and so i'm just yeah like trying to reel in where we should be on a timeline that and you know reel it back when things aren't going the way we expect them to and kind of start over with the baby step yeah that's what it, you just nailed it like almost always it's going to be a foundation thing like when it comes to like Hey, this is the problem. It's the dog is doing this, this, and this. It's almost always going to be connected to your foundation. Um, you know, I could, you could give me any specific example, and I would tell you there is a breakdown in the foundation somewhere, and that's probably the root of it. But the idea of like the fast-paced stuff, the I talk a lot about balance. So if the dog goes really fast, and you're wishing it would slow down a bit the best way to slow them down is to you slow down like culturally impact them with the pace of life and let them recognize that when i when i come rushing into the house and i'm in a panic because i forgot my kid at school like the dogs were off they were thrown for a loop they didn't know what the hell was going on because my poor planning my inability to do a good job keeping the schedule and my pace was really frantic and so their reaction and their behavior was a bit sporadic as well that's that's hard to hear sometimes because you're going to look at it and go yeah but i'm busy me too i am too and i'm not saying you have to be slow all the time in everything you do because I think there's a fine line there as well. But I'll challenge anyone, you two included, I'll challenge anyone to take a look at the big picture of your day-to-day stuff and go, if I just slow it down a little bit, the, the amount of mistakes I make, uh, the potential issues that are created, the inefficiencies that happen, the unproductive moments that happen because I'm at a pace that's a little bit faster, thinking I'm going to get things done more. If we slow it down a little bit, you're probably going to be more productive. You're probably going to be more efficient. In the big picture, you probably do get more done. It's hard to believe, but the best way to speed up is to slow down in a lot of situations. And I think that can be said about dogs all the time. And that's like big picture and little picture because the big picture part of it is the idea of wherever you want to be with your training, you'll get there sooner by taking your time to get there because it'll just be done better. And then the little on the little picture the day-to-day type stuff, that impacts like the way the dog thinks life is, the pace that life is at, and everything translates from that. Um, 
the best I, I've got a friend that comes over and, and I'm helping him with some training with his dog. And so he comes over a couple times a week and we spend a little time together in the evenings. And one of the, and he's a construction guy and I used to be a construction guy. So I totally get this. And so he comes to my house and I am not a construction guy anymore. And I'm okay with that. But he comes to my house and he's got another, he's in a totally different gear than I am. And I, I don't just train dogs. Like I have a lot of other stuff going on with our business all day, every day. And I'm a little, I'm a little frantic with some of that stuff. And so I get that sense of urgency with him when it comes to the construction and work stuff. But when he comes over to work with his dog, he comes out of the truck at a pace, like he's coming out at a job site and he's got to get up to the house and he's got to bring the dog and all this stuff. And I come down to, with my dog to meet him. And one of the things he says is a lot is he says, I just want my dog to do what that one does. Just be cool. Be cool. Like his dog gets so excited, get pulling on the, get, get kind of comes unwound a little bit. And I said, yeah, I said, you know, part of it has to do with the way you come out of your truck. You come out of your truck like you're at a job site and you're fast, 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 fast. I come out of my house like I'm, man, I got my slippers on. I'm just taking a nice little walk down the driveway. I, I, I'm, and that's the pace I try to take with the dogs. Because when I take that pace with the dogs, the dogs recognize like that's the pace of life. That's how we should do things. Doing that with the dogs is a reminder to me that I should do that more often in the shop. I should do that more often with my kids. I should do that more often when I'm trying to do yard work. Because I this weekend I was running around doing stuff at the I was up at my cabin and I'm working on stuff and I'm and I'm trying to get all this stuff done. I'm trying to get as much stuff as done as I can in, in in this day that I had up there. And finally I recognized and I realized I had three projects going. And I wasn't going to get any of the three done by the end of the day because I was just so bouncing around between one to the other. And I thought I was being efficient by doing that. And so finally, I just like stopped myself and I said, you're not allowed to do anything until this is done. And so I just focused on this one thing. It was cutting and splitting wood. I just, all I did was focus on that and I got it done and I realized I finished that a lot quicker than I would have if I had tried to do it and this and this all kind of together because I'd have bounced around and I would have like forgot stuff and I would have had to make an extra trip to go get this because I needed that and I forgot about it because my mind is on like four different things. So like that, that, that was me being fast and being trying to be productive and trying to be speedy to get, to get everything done in the same amount of time. And I would have got way less done. So I actually slowed down and I probably worked at a slower pace on each individual project, but made zero mistakes on them and they got done. And I think I can do that with my dog. I got to do that more with my dogs. And so the dogs remind me at times to translate that into like the other stuff I'm doing. And I don't know, I don't know your personalities. I don't know like your day-to-day stuff, but I will say this. There's very few people that I meet the workshops that we have are great examples. I get I get people of all walks of life that do all sorts of different stuff. And doesn't matter which ones, who's doing what. Almost always, I think by the end of the workshop, I hope and I get feedback from people of, I just enjoy the approach to it. it I can apply this towards whatever it is they're doing in life. And so I, I look at that and I, I, I never meet people that come to the workshop that I go, man, you guys are just too relaxed. It's always the opposite. They're so intense. And so I, I, I really am drawn to people that are relaxed. I just, I want to spend more time by people like that because that's cultural and I need it too. And so I have some people tell me, man, you're just so relaxed about stuff. You just, and I take it as a huge compliment because I've never used to be, I know I didn't used to be, I was really not, and I'm getting better at it, but I'm also really self-aware of the idea that I need to get a lot better at it. And that will come from me like surrounding myself with pe- by people like that and then making a conscious effort of changing 
my behaviors. So I don't know where you guys are at because I don't know you well enough. But if you came to a workshop, I like Megan. You're you're. Uh, um, I saw on your Instagram you're like a um, is it power lifting or or not power lifting, but um, what do you call that? Uh, I CrossFit. CrossFit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know anybody that CrossFits that is too relaxed, <laughs> like, like. Uh, so, and, and and Amber, what do you do? What do you do for a living? For a living, um, medical contracting. Okay. And what do you do for hobbies? Uh, we like to fish, hike, hunting. I mean, that kind of stuff, outdoorsy stuff. That's a lifestyle that can be, that's a, I mean, that's a lot, like fishing. Fishing is a perfect example. Like now there's different types of fishing. Some guys are super intense and can't stay in the same spot and they got to move. They're not biting. We got to go here. We got to go there. And then there's guys that go out and they have a cooler beer and they smoke a pipe and they throw a bobber and they watch it. And they, I mean, there's two, that's, that's, that's something right there that like, I used to be the guy that bounced around from spot to spot because they weren't biting. Today, I'm smoking the pipe and I'm drinking my beer and I'm watching the bobber and I'm really happy about it. So, you know, it, 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 it's just. You're both from the Midwest. I think we have a tendency to be like this in the Midwest. I don't think it's a bad thing. But I do think it's something that we, we see a lot of. I think our country sees a lot of it. Like, we have a tendency to try to do things real fast. And we try to do things big. And we try to do things in grand fashion. And I think sometimes we have to simplify. And it makes life a lot more enjoyable. Cool. Agree. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I I I don't mean to cut it off, but uh, we're gonna get back on the road. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to do this. Amber, thank you so much for setting it up. Megan, thank you so much for being supportive of our stuff and and uh, being our our winner. That was a white tail. I think that was a white tail properties one, wasn't it? Mm-hmm.